Welcome to the St. Andrew's Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. You can connect with us online at www.gosaintandrew.com. So this morning we have two readings, two readings, one from the book of Leviticus and the other one from the book of Acts. What is the book of Leviticus? Some would say long. Some would say tedious. I would say wonderful, by the way. The book's title is taken from the Greek and Latin versions of the Hebrew Bible. It it literally means the book pertaining to the persons and duties of Levitical priest, thus named because they came to be considered the sons of the tribe of Levi. Leviticus is a manual of sorts, a manual of priestly regulations and responsibilities, and is a handbook of instructions prescribing practical holy living for the Israelite covenant community. Additionally, Leviticus is essentially a manual on holiness designed to instruct the entire Hebrew community in holy worship and holy living so that they might enjoy the presence and blessings of God. The laws and instructions were to transform the former Hebrew enslaved people into a, quote, kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Today also marks the Feast of the Ascension of Christ, commemorating the Christian belief of the bodily ascension of Jesus into heaven. The observance of this feast, I have to tell you, is of great antiquity, with mention of it being made in the writings of early church fathers such as Augustine of Hippo, John Christosom, and even Gregory of Nyssa in the first four centuries of the church. Following the account that we will hear of in Acts this morning, the risen Jesus appeared 40 days before his ascension. Thus, Ascension Day is traditionally celebrated on a Thursday the 40th day after Easter. Although some Christian denominations, yes, like United Methodist, we move the observant to the following Sunday. Let us hear these words, Leviticus chapter 25, verses two through five. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in, your, in their yield. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. A reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly, Two men in white robes stood by them. 
They said, men of Galilee, why? Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. Thank you, Justin. Justin wrote that. Did you know that? You know, it's so fabulous to have such an incredible staff. You are so very lucky. Um, As we were praying the Lord's Prayer, I heard MZ start playing the song, The Lord's Prayer, underneath us. It was fabulous. You're just so lucky. It's such a great place, and I'm going to miss you so much. As you've heard, today is Ascension Sunday. I like to call call this the Holy Tag Team because Jesus goes up, and a week later, the Holy Spirit comes down. I'm not sure anybody else calls it that, but that's what I like to call it. Remember next week to wear your red. Wear your red again, those of you in red. Um, We're going to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. For today, we're going to spend some time thinking about our world that God created, how to care for it, what we do or don't leave behind, and how God works in the midst of it all. Good? All right, let's get started. We know the creation story where God gives the first humans dominion over the land and the animals. God makes us stewards of the earth. Stewards are those that manage a home or family or land. We're not called to use it. We're called to steward, manage, care for the world that God has given us the dominion over. 
Our first passage today, the Israelites are in the desert, wandering, really living their lives. They're there for 40 years, having kids and grandkids and, and doing their thing. God is preparing them as well as preparing the promised land for them. While they're still in the desert, God tells Moses about the land and what God wants from the Israelites when they get there. God tells Moses to tell the Israelites that when you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord, not just for humans every seventh day, but for the land as well. For humans, God established the Sabbath so that they, we, would remember the covenant that God made with us and that we would rest and remember that God is holy, God is sovereign. The Israelites were given this information while in the desert and on the Sabbath they were given a double helping of manna from God. They were called to stop all the work, to rest, to eat the bread of heaven and to pray. Now God is telling them that the land should also observe a Sabbath. As stewards of said land, the Israelites are responsible for making this rest happen. God commands that the Sabbath, that the land shall, every seven years, the land shall have a complete rest. Our scripture says it shall be a year of complete rest for the land. In our Methodist constitution that we call the Book of Discipline, the word shall is used, you know, quite a bit. There's some mays and there's some mights and there's you could do this. But when it comes to shall, that, there's not an option there. It's a command. So when God says there shall be a year of complete rest, we have to do it. So once the Israelites did get to the promised land, they observed the land um, Sabbath every seven years. Imagine how disciplined you'd have to be to collect and store extras each year so that that seventh year you had enough to eat for a complete rest. No Costco's around to have toilet paper or plenty of cereal about. They had to work hard and hope and pray that they had good crops for six years so that they had enough and could rest. What does rest do for the land? For those of you that, that lived on farms, know this, or grew up near them, you let the field go fallow and you farm other fields. It's done so that the soil can replenish its nutrients that can be leached from certain plants or regular irrigation. Cover crops and natural grasses and weeds grow on the land and it helps replenish the nutrients in the soil. If they have livestock, then they can use this field as a forage field while it's fallow. And the animals, you know, they add their own nutrients to the soil. Complete rest for the land. Imagine. Actually, we don't have to imagine because from March 2020 to March 2021, most of the world's land did rest. And it was glorious. There's a David Attenborough documentary on Apple TV called The Year the Earth Changed, and it is amazing. Attenborough chronicles the land and the animals all around the world during our human lockdown to see what happened. Well, here's what happened. 
the earth had cleaner air and water, the global traffic noise went down 70%, animals responded in remarkable ways. For instance, the air in India, the Himalayas hadn't been seen from many towns in 30 years. But because of the lack of pollution, it was a magnificent sight. The jackass penguins in Cape Town, South Africa thrived without human visitors. They left their chicks on the land. They were able to go to the store once, even two, three times a day and bring back enough food for their chicks who actually eat 15% of their body weight each day. Some parents were so successful they were able to have another set of babies that same season. And that hadn't happened in a decade. The loggerhead sea turtles in Juneau Beach, South Florida, where I'm from, um, because the beaches were deserted, the turtles could lay their eggs and go back to the water and eat and come back and rest. They received nutrients they normally couldn't because they were trying to guard their eggs. Each year, over 10,000 humpback whales journey from Hawaii to, the, to southeast Alaska to feed their babies and themselves. Because there were no cruise ships and the underwater noise level was 25 times quieter, the mama whales could place their babies near land and they could go far away and eat while, um, and be able to talk to their babies because there weren't ships blocking the sound waves. The mothers feed best when they feed together and they could do this the summer of 2020. And so many of their calves survived when they wouldn't have ordinarily. All right, this may be my favorite. The cheetahs in Kenya. Because there were no safari trucks for, with humans in them, the mama cheetahs could safely leave their cubs and go hunt, and then they could call their cubs to come eat. When the trucks are there, the babies can't hear their mama, and they're in danger of being prey themselves. Let the mamas go get the cubs, then someone takes what she's just killed. When we stop driving, flying, taking trains and ships, and we stopped crowding beaches. The earth breathed. Wow. Sure, it was uncomfortable for us, and for some it was really difficult to be isolated in your homes, apartments, those in nursing homes. But for Mother Nature, it was glorious. Actually, I watched our 12-year-old at the time sleep and eat and rest a ton. He grew six inches. He benefited as much as those animals. I grew, but it's because I made a lot of pound cakes. <laughs> Hence my diet now. The rest, we all, it served us all well in different ways, didn't it? What if every seven years we let the earth rest on purpose? Not because of a global pandemic. Could you do it? Could you not drive for a year? Plan that great trip for another year? The earth would so thank us for it. There's a quote in your bulletin today from Barack Obama, and I want you to say this with me. We are the first generation that can feel the effects of global warming and the last that can do something about it. Say it again with me. We are the first generation that can feel the effects of global warming 
I'm the last that can do something about it. As you know, our sermon series is inspired by the futurist Faith Popcorn and her company Brain Reserve. One of the trends that she sees is called atmosphere, F-E-A-R. Atmosphere is polluted air, contaminated water, tainted food that stir up a storm of consumer doubt and uncertainty. In the 1990s, Faith and her team noticed some growing global indicators of environmental issues along with folks like Al Gore and a bunch of scientists. She began working with companies to make their products more environmentally friendly as well as working on sustainability. Currently, the plastic we've discarded over the last few decades has not only ended up in this huge floating island in the Pacific, but it's showing up in the fish we eat, hence in our bodies. The glaciers are melting, the sea water's rising, and so is the temperature of the water. None of this is good. Let's look at that quote from Obama again. We're the first generation that can feel the effects of global warming and the last that can do something about it. Obama has this cool documentary series on Netflix right now called Our Great National Parks. He mentions (coughs) that Yellowstone became the first national park in the world and now 15% of the Earth's land and 18% of the Earth's oceans are protected. Most of it started as a conservation movement to preserve these beautiful places, but what we've learned in preserving these beautiful places is that it helps humans as well. For instance, there's a sloth in the rainforest that has green algae on its fur. 80 species live in this fur. Um, What's cool is that they're studying the green algae for, um, to see how it can help with, with cancer and other illnesses. You know this, we need trees to breathe. One quarter of our air comes from rainforests, so why do we keep allowing them to be cut down? God was really onto something when God said, let the land rest completely. The sermon title for, our, for us today is Erase Our Footprint. I'm not a hiker or a camper, but I suppose most of you are. You know, you, whatever you camp in, you take in, you take out, right? Water bottles, dog waste, everything else you brought in with you. I recently saw a sign that said, leave no trace. Let nature be nature. Don't give your PB&J to the bear. Don't pet the, the deer you come across. Observe, but don't interact, right? Like our, our passage's idea of, of tending the land and the animals, I like the idea of having a relationship with the land and the animals, but allowing them to rest and not work for a year. Give them time to settle and breathe and grow and thrive before they begin to toil again. Which brings me to our second passage, an Ascension Sunday. What does it mean to erase one's footprint, to leave no trace? In our second passage that Rev. Jerry read for us, it's from the first chapter of Acts. Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he's hung out for 40 days, and now he's saying goodbye to his disciples and heading to heaven. And his disciples ask him a question that's not important. 
So many of, uh, there's so many scriptures where people ask God questions and God's like, yeah, you don't need to know or just do it because I said so or um, what, you know, it's not the time or don't worry about it. It can be infuriating for those of us that want to know, need a plan. But Jesus tells them, you don't need to worry about it. What you do need to do is be my witnesses. What is a witness? It's one that gives evidence, facts, testimony, one that has personal knowledge of something or a firsthand account. Jesus calls them to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But he tells them they're not going to do this alone. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Can you imagine standing there with Jesus and he tells you to be his witness, to tell his story, to tell God's story who loves us and cares for us, and then he leaves. Thankfully, he does say the Holy Spirit's coming, but they don't know he's coming in a week, that the Holy Spirit's coming down in a week and into them, but it does, and it still does. The Holy Spirit is in each one of us. Next week when we celebrate the first time it happened, that's one thing. But we already know that God in the Holy Spirit is already in us. We have the power that Jesus mentions to be Jesus' witnesses. What does it mean to be God's witness? There's a nightly newscaster that says, don't listen to what they say, watch what they do. We can certainly tell people how amazing God is, how we feel comforted and loved by God who made the whole universe, how when we're in church, in a church community, we read God's word, we're encouraged, we're convicted to love and to forgive even when it's so difficult to do, how when life is really hard that we're reminded that there's more than this world. There's a place where we will live eternally with God. Sure, there's a lot we can say. What does it mean to be a living witness of God's love and grace? Maybe it's not about erasing your footprint, but leaving a positive one. Two of my favorite professors wrote a book called The Resident Aliens, and it's about how Christians are called to be other, be alien to the ways of the world, the damaging ways of the world. When folks want lots of guns, let our witness be as pacifists. When folks want to do what's easy with a one-use plastic bottle and Ziploc bags, let our witness be to get that old Tupperware out, get glass containers, actually take the bags from the trunk of the car into the store and use them. I know, preaching to the choir, right? And people say, let those, those folks that are standing on the side of the road pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Let our witness be to give them a smile and a just care backpack. 
When others think institutional racism isn't a thing, that slavery's over and so is white supremacy, let our witness be to take time to learn all the purposeful racist policies put into place by our government, policing, real estate, education, prison system, and more, and then let us help change these hurtful policies. When others say that church should only be about a personal relationship with Jesus, let our witness be to open our arms wide to folks like Family Promise who are downstairs today and our Afghan family and those who lost so much due to the Marshall Fire. Let our witness be Big Serve and those communities that we, sh that we take care of and share and serve every day. When folks say George Floyd is old news, let our witness be remembering. Remembering his life, his life and his death and what he stood for. Remembering that if there are any unnecessary deaths, there are too many. Let our witness be to ring bells at Park Hill United Methodist Church as some of us did this past Wednesday of the second anniversary of George Floyd's murder. When people say climate change isn't real and that we don't have to change how we live on this earth, let our witness be to choose change so that we not only help wildlife, but health of the planet and our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Let our witness be social holiness and not just personal piety of prayer and worship and fasting and coming together for Bible studies. Let our witness be loving others, forgiving others, praying for others, fighting so that fourth graders can go to school and don't have to worry about being shot, fighting for those who need good health care, fighting for those young mothers who need support to provide for children and for their futures. Let our witness be meaningful for the Holy Spirit is in you, is in us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me leave you with this Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers and half-truths and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with the tears to, to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Let us be Jesus's witnesses. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. And if you'd like more information, go to www.gosaintandrew.com. See you next week.